Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Well, hello, beautiful people. Thank you for listening. Today, we are diving into a long overdue episode of the podcast which is exploring how to prepare best for interview. And I know you're saying, Liam, why haven't you done this earlier? But I'm doing it now. (laughs) And I know that this will be super valuable for lots of you that are currently applying for jobs, thinking about applying for jobs next year in 2022, because it's only a couple of weeks away, which is really scary. But what better time to really level up with your interview skills? Now, I can tell you from my experience that most people wing interviews. And if that is you, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to do that anymore. In this episode, I have everything that you need to be able to tackle this and feel confident and feel happy with what you have done and achieved in your interview, which is probably quite different to what you're used to feeling when you walk out of there and you go, holy moly, that was a car crash. I hear you, I've been there, I felt like that, and it's not pleasant. So let me dive in and talk to you about interview coaching and what I go through with my clients when we do interview coaching preparation. Now, first things first, the key word in that sentence is prepare. Like I said, many people do not. I can probably count on two hands the amount of people in the 10 years that I've been a nurse that I've interviewed that have actually prepared, like really strategically prepared. I'm not talking about just think about the job, that they have sat down and done their homework. So let's step through the process from start to finish. When you get that call from your manager or from your potential future employer and you land that interview, it is the most exciting time but I know you, you're just like me. Because straight away, we go into fight or flight mode and we think, oh my goodness, like now I've overcome the first obstacle, now I've got to get over this huge barrier, which is the interview. And we go to our past self and we think all the things about all those past interviews that tell us that we are not good enough to do this, right? And we should be super, super proud, but we end up feeling really worried and stressed and overwhelmed in this moment. And I know that most of you get to this point because you come to coaching and we spend a lot of time working through this, okay? Couple of things that I want to mention about this. You have landed the interview not because they feel sorry for you, okay? Your inner critics may be saying, oh, like they feel so sorry for you. Maybe you should just, you know, they should just give you an interview. That is not the case. You have landed the interview because they see your potential. They see that you are a perfect candidate, ideally, and they want to learn more. So take that as the first little confidence boost. When you get an interview email or an interview phone call, they like what they see, Let that pick you up, okay? Because that's a great place to start interview prep from rather than the negative Nancy, Debbie Downer, oh my goodness, I'm going to stuff it up and they're just doing this because they're desperate. Like that does not serve you, parking. So 
in coming into the interview itself, we've had that brief little moment of joy and excitement, and then we've got that sense of doom, right? And that worry and that fear that's coming through. And I can tell you right now that all of that is your inner critic. That is your ego. It is trying to keep you safe because interviews in our mind's view are unsafe environments. You are on the witness stand. You are potentially in trouble. You are threatened. Fight or flight. Run. Run now. And that is what your brain is telling you, right? So already when you get that call, your brain is saying, hey, Liam, I don't think this is a good idea. (laughs) Do you think this is a good, maybe you should just stay where you are. Maybe just stay there. And that is what we need to overcome. So some of the things that I know that a lot of you high performers will be saying to yourself or the critic is saying to you are things like, what if I'm not good enough? Or I'm not confident enough with interviews. Or people say to me, oh, I just can't articulate well in the interview. Maybe they feel sorry for me. Oh, they must be scraping the barrel if they invited me. Oh, my English isn't so good. It's my second language. They won't hire me because of that. I want you to take a deep breath, stop, and think about all of those things that you are telling yourself, okay? Because here's the truth. They are not factual. They're not true, okay? And I really want you to get really observant of what you say in those moments where you feel threatened. Because as a high performer, that's where we can start to do the work to understand why that is triggering you. And I've just told you why. It's because you feel threatened. No one gets an interview email and it's like, yes, this is amazing. I'm so excited. Like, let's do this. If you do, you're amazing. Most people go to the negative, right? Because that's where we are safe. That's where we feel comfortable. We know that place. And our brain is then wired to collect evidence to support the fact that you are not articulate enough. Oh, remember that time that I had an interview and I couldn't get my words out? That means that I'm inarticulate. And that is not true. Okay. And that's definitely something that we need to work on. So in coaching, we have a bit of a look at mindset and we have a bit of a look at reframing. I've got a really squeaky office chair. So apologies. You'll hear that a few times throughout the podcast. So when we think about mindset in coming into the interview, I want you to pay close attention to your thoughts, okay? And one of the best ways to do this is to do a mindset or a thought download. Sounds fancy, it's super, super simple. So I want you to grab a piece of paper, A4 piece of paper, grab a pen, maybe get a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine, depending on your (laughs) your preferences. And then I want you to take five minutes and I want you to write down everything that is going through your mind about the interview. I am not good enough. I don't feel like this role is suited to me. I don't have the experience. They feel sorry for me. I want you to write everything down. We do not filter this list, okay? We need to see what is happening in our mind. Once we have wrote out all of the things that we're telling ourselves. Some of them might be positive, some of them most likely will be negative, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to look at those thoughts as an observer. I want you to detach yourself from your mind. This is not (laughs) wishy-washy, sounds a bit, ooh, cuckoo. I want you to detach yourself from your mind, okay? Because 
in this moment, I need you to look at your thoughts, almost like you're looking from a balcony down onto your thoughts, okay? So you almost remove yourself from those thoughts. Because when you work through that list, you're going to realize that most of these thoughts are not actually factual. So in this step, I want you to think about, okay, I am not good enough for this role. Is that a true fact? And here's how you measure it. Because I can hear you already saying, yes, of course, it's a true fact. No, it's not. I want you to think about, would this be proven true in a court of law by a judge and a panel? And if the answer to that is no, then it is just a thought. It is just our brain trying to keep us safe. There's so much to thought work and thought downloads and mindset and reframing that we will be covering in this podcast because it's something I'm super passionate about. But there is such power in recognizing oh my goodness, that is just a thought. Like I can choose whether or not I choose to think that thought. Because here's the truth. That thought of I am not good enough for this role is going to create negative results in your life. If we think negatively or we think pessimistically and we think from our past experiences, we will create negative results in our life that don't serve us. So in that moment, I am not good enough for this role. Is that a true fact? Yes or no? No, of course you're good enough, right? That's just your thought about the role that you've been offered or you're going to interview for. And in that moment, you have a choice as the observer. Do I continue to say that or continue to process that thought and keep it? Or do I just park it, throw it away? Because I don't need that, okay? You will be surprised about what is going on in your mind. And one way that I really love to think about this is every week we clean our homes, right? Some of us might clean a bit more regularly, but most people every week would give the house a quick blitz, okay? And why do we do that? Because we want to remove the clutter, we want it to look tidy, we want it to look nice, pretty, people are coming around. And it's the same with our brain. But the funny thing is we never stop and actually clean out our brain. And that's our operating system, right? It's like debugging your computer or like clearing the cookies when we used to do that 20 years ago. You need to stop and clear out the mind, especially going into an interview. So I would encourage you to use that as a strategy. Thought download, five minutes, write everything down, don't edit, and then assess for facts. And if it's not factual, which by the way, most of it won't be, throw it away, yeah? Now, once you've done that once, it doesn't mean that it's fixed. You're not suddenly going to have these aha moments. Continue to do this practice in the lead up to an interview and on the day of the interview, and you will see how much is coming up, how much is negative that is going to potentially impact your performance on the day. Okay, so there's my first little tip. Now, when we think about the process itself, there's a fair bit of work involved in the interview. Most people think I get the interview, I get dressed up fancy, and then I turn up. And I do my thing and I leave and then I kick myself because I didn't do the best that I think I could have done. However, there are lots of steps and interview prep goes through all of those things. So, of course, we get the interview email, right? And so we start doing our mindset work at that point. There's things like panel secrets, which I'm going to share with you that we kind of need to know about so that we can go in there as informed as possible, okay? 
Then we have in the interview itself, there are a few things that we want to be really clear on, like delay tactics. We want to make sure that we utilize our safety net and questions for the panel. We want to think about and consider what types of questions we might expect. And we also want to really work out what question themes might come up based on our position description. Then we really want to work through our star response. So really making sure that we have a good understanding of how to respond to the different types of interview questions. Then finally, we have the post-interview email follow-up and self-care at the end. So there's quite a lot to the process that most people don't actually think about. Now, let's talk a bit about the interview itself. So, of course, you get all the details. You're going to turn up really fancy, looking really smart. If you're doing it online, please still get dressed up. There's something about putting on nice clothes that just makes you feel fancy and makes you really, you know, proud. And it gets you in that kind of superpower, you know, powerful mode. They talk about in the literature, actually, you know, doing like superhero poses before you go in, maybe do it in the bathroom cubicle or something. Um, just gets you into a mindset of being really empowered. So, hey, do whatever works in this moment. Now, with the interview itself, typically we'll have three people on a panel. Um, if it's online, there might be two or three. There might be a scribe there. In in person, you know, two or three similarly, obviously in a room, and that typical three people on one side and you on the other. And that can be really confronting. Remember, they want you to be there, okay? In terms of the interview and pre-interview, if you're rocking up to a face-to-face interview, they may give you the questions beforehand, which is an awesome thing if they do. Because what I work with people in interview coaching is we work through compiling some strategic interview prep notes to take in with us into the interview. So a lot of people don't know that you can 100% take notes into the interview. And I'll probably do a whole different episode on that because there's so much work in that itself. But today you will get the high level information that you need to do this for yourself. Now, in terms of the notes, they come in really handy, obviously, in the interview. But pre-interview, if you are given 10 minutes to look at the questions beforehand, you are in luck. Because you can look at your interview notes and you can look at your questions that you've just been given. You can work through them, see what marries up. And from there, you can really use that 10 minutes strategically to go, well, actually, question one, I've got an answer for that. Question two, yep. Question three. Or, oh, I don't think I have something for that. We didn't think about that. Let me spend five to 10 minutes compiling a response for that now before I go in. Imagine how much less stress you would have in that moment to feel the confidence of going in there, knowing all of the questions and then being able to tackle the one that is sticky or tricky for you. Now, not every panel does that. I think that it provides people the best opportunity to be their best selves, but not everybody does that. So, If that doesn't happen, don't fret, okay? Because you've still got your notes and we still have lots of things that we can do in the interview to buy some time and to make sure that you deliver your best interview. So that's time. We've talked about notes. So we're taking notes in with us. So two pages of notes maximum. If you take in eight to 10 pages of notes, really complex in-depth notes, you're going to be in trouble very quickly because you're going to be flicking through them. You'll be flustered. It will just add to your anxiety. I know because I've been there, I've done it myself and I've watched other people do it. 
So we take two pages in Max, two A4 pages, ideally one page so you can flip it over. And in coaching, I go through that with people whereby we compile it really strategically so that it's laid out beautifully, ready for you to go to. Because your notes in the interview are a trigger, okay? We're not newsreaders, we're not sitting there saying, oh, Liam said I need to read this. We use it as a trigger because when we go into interviews, what happens? We go into fight or flight and we lose that capacity to be able to get back to those memories from when we were a student or four years ago when we did that project or two months ago when we did that leadership course. We lose all of that because we're in fight or flight mode and it's, it's do or die and we just cannot access those memories. So we do it beforehand. So we have the best examples possible to hand to trigger a thought process. I also want you to remember that when you go into interview, because of that fight or flight, we actually lose about 30 to 40% of our capacity to actually make sound decisions. So the notes being there really like the first key safety net that you need to be able to succeed in the interview. I hope I've sold you on notes, okay? because you really, really need to take them in. In terms of the interview, there are the key things pre-interview that we want to make sure that we have, okay? Now, moving on to the next step. When you come in, the panel, of course, we cannot control the panel, okay? They might look like really angry bulldogs that are sitting there waiting for the lunch, and they're pissed, and they've had a shitty morning, and you might be the 30th person they've interviewed today, okay? I want you to know that that has nothing to do with you. The panel being, you know, angry looking or like really deadpan face, do not look too much into that, okay? There might be people, and I'm usually this person on a panel that's sitting there smiling, like trying to make you feel relaxed. Find that person. Focus on them. Take a deep breath. Walk in, introduce yourself. Take your time, nice and slow, and own your anxiety. There's nothing worse than someone coming in and not saying something like, oh my goodness, I'm so grateful for this opportunity, but I am nervous. <laughs> uh, please, you know, bear with me. And they understand that. They expect it, okay? If you go to an interview and they give you feedback and the feedback is you were nervous, you probably don't want to work there. Like, duh, of course you were nervous, right? That is expected. Like, we're not performers. We're not actors. We're nurses. So when you go in, the panel will have bits of paper in front of them. They'll have a nice little booklet or folder. They'll have your CV, your cover letter, your selection criteria. They will have read it, hopefully. But don't assume that they have, is what I would say. And that's probably all I'll say there. From there, they're going to start asking you questions, right? They're going to introduce themselves. They're going to outline the interview. And they're going to start asking you questions. Now, on the bits of paper, these are the little secrets that I wanted to share with you. Because what they have on the bit of paper are a few things. So your name, your details, but they also have a question. So they have the question number one, what they're going to ask you. And then at the bottom of the page, they have what they call an ideal answer. Now, the ideal answer doesn't mean that there is a one size fits all response. It is more that they have ideal words that they need or want to hear from you during the interview. So when you're responding, this is where the interview prep really helps because we can think of some of those key words because guess what? They were littered through the position description. 
They use them in the selection criteria, right? They use them in the hospital values, vision, ethos, mission, um, on their websites, on their social media. All of that language, those words are the things that we want to extract and then take to our interview, okay? And they're what I kind of call buzzwords. What buzzwords do you need to drop through your interview so that they start ticking off the ideal answer components, yeah? So the more of those things we can tick off, the better. And as you kind of get better at interviews, you realize when they ask a question, you all of a sudden mind map what buzzwords they might want to hear from that. So here are some examples. They might want to hear things like patient experience, teamwork, culture, professional development. They might want to hear the values of respectful kind. They might want to hear autonomy, advocacy, education, support, guidance. So all of those kind of descriptive words, we want to drop through our interview as we move through, yeah? If you don't use some of those words, what it means is that you don't get as many points, yeah? So you don't score as highly as another candidate might. You might have a good answer, but you haven't used those ideal buzzwords that they're looking for. So the panel will start to ask you questions. They'll pass them around the room. Each person will ask a question. And this is where a lot of people get stuck because they couple of things. They think that they only have one opportunity to answer the questions. They think, secondly, that they need to rush because they think that the panel is in control. And I'm here to tell you that you are the person who will talk the most during the interview. So therefore, you have the floor. So I don't want you to rush. Remember, interviews usually have 20 to 30 minutes allocated, if not 45 minutes And I can tell you from experience, most people come in, sit down, they fly through them, they get through the interview in five minutes and they want to get out of there as quickly as possible. You have worked too hard to get to this point to throw it away by rushing through your answers. So you take a conscious deep breath and you take your time, okay? And you work through it slowly, slowly as you need to go. And the panel don't mind. They know you're talking, you have the floor, yeah? So they will start to work through the questions and then that's kind of really where we start to maybe come across some challenges, right? Because maybe they start asking us some questions that we actually don't know the answer to. And I think of all the fears, this is the biggest fear for everybody. And there's a couple of things I want to tell you. If you are applying for an ICU transition program, the interview panel is not going to give you an arterial blood gas Uh, result and ask you to analyze it and tell them what ventilatory settings that patient needs to be on. Everybody automatically thinks that they're going to expect you to be an ICU clinician already. Well, they don't. Okay. We know where you're coming from. If you're applying for an ICU transition program, for example, they do not expect you to be a fully fledged ICU transition. That is your ego. That's your brain saying, oh my goodness, you need to have all the answers. It is impossible release that. You do not need to carry that into the interview with you. Interview panels are not there to trip you up. If you feel like they are tripping you up and they are tripping you up and they're asking you questions and you think, wow, this is really above my pay grades, it's probably a sign that you probably don't want to work there because it's unfair. It's like, you know, it's like asking a nurse, you know, how would you prescribe this drug? It's ridiculous. We might be able to do it, but we would never do it. So it's not realistic or fair. So with that in mind, know that the panel are not trying to trip you up. 
So, when they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, remember you have the power. They've asked you a question, you don't know the answer. So, this is where our delay tactics come in. And I have four of them for you. So, the first delay tactic that you can use, and you can use all of these delay tactics as many times as you need throughout the interview. The first one is, can you repeat the question, please? And buy yourself some time so that they repeat the question and then you can sit there and think about the answer. The second thing I want you to think about or use is, can I have a minute to think about this question? Now, when I tell people this, they look at me like, Liam, you are cray cray. I am not sitting there asking them for a minute to think through the question. And I say, well, why not? You are in control. It feels awkward as hell, but you are here to do your best. They want you to do your best. They are hoping that you are the best next thing that walks through the door, right? They want to hire somebody. They want to spend a whole day interviewing people. They want to find the best people. So give yourself the opportunity to answer with a good response. We don't want to rush it. So take the bloody minute, okay? (laughs) Take the minute. The third thing is, can I refer to my notes, please? Okay, so a lot of people say to me, oh, well, don't they, isn't it cheating with notes? Don't they think it's cheating? No, it's homework. It shows that you are committed. You have put the work in before you've even got there. It is very impressive when somebody comes in with notes. And it's even more impressive if they need to use them, okay? So at the start of the interview, right back at the start when you do your intro, you could just say, oh, I hope you don't mind. I I made some notes. I did some research coming into the interview today. I'm really excited about this opportunity, okay? And they will be really impressed and they will never say no. If they say no to you, red flag. You probably don't want to work there. Finish your interview. Use it as an opportunity to learn and grow. So can I refer to my notes, please? Have a look. You're looking for a trigger, You might find something, you might not. So then the next, the fourth thing is, can I come back to this question later? Okay, buy yourself some more time. If you need to delay, delay the bloody question. They don't mind, okay? I have had people that have used all four of these strategies for every question. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. They still got the job. The panel want you to succeed, okay? I can't say that enough. They want you to succeed. And if they don't, you don't want to work for them. So really be aware of that in the interview. And remember, you're in control of time. You have the floor, you have 30 minutes. We use our strategies throughout the whole thing. So as you move through your interview and you've used all of those strategies that I've just given you and you know the panel secrets because they're looking for the buzzwords, then we get to the point at the end of the interview whereby they should ask you, a good panel would ask you, would you like to go over any of the questions or add anything more? Now, nine times out of 10, people at this point are like, phew, the interview is over. I need to get the hell out of here. I'm off. I'm good. Thank you so much. Bye. And literally, it kind of wraps up very quickly and they go. This is a safety net. I want you to see this as a safety net. You've answered your four, five, six questions that they potentially ask you. Now they're giving you the floor again to go back over any questions that you may have stuffed up. That's what you're telling yourself. You haven't stuffed it up. But questions that you need to add something to. Maybe questions that you feel like you didn't answer very well. Maybe the first question because you were so nervous, you want to go back to that one because you feel like you didn't do it justice. This is your opportunity 
don't waste it. Take a minute to think and then say, can I go back to question one, please? And they'll read the question. And then you might add something, you might not add something. You might think, well, actually, I think I answered that pretty well. Okay. At this point in your interview, this is why this is a really good strategy. You are much more relaxed because you think the questioning is over. So your brain feels safe, right? You're no more in fight or flight. You are much, much more relaxed. So we take that opportunity because we can access different memories in our brain because that guard has gone down and we were no longer in fight or flight mode. So from here, go over anything that you need to go over. Again, I have had people say, but Liam, what if I need to go over all six questions? Go over them. You've got 30 minutes for the interview, potentially 45, whatever they've allocated. Go over them. The panel do not mind. And if they do, red flag, you probably don't want to work there. Okay, remember you have a choice. Ultimately, you make the choice about whether or not you take this job. You want to take the right job for you, not just any job, okay? So use your safety net at this point. Finally, they will ask you or should ask you, do you have any questions for the panel? And at this point, you must have a question for the panel. So in coaching, I go through this with people who are prepping for interview because it just shows again that you've done your homework and it shows that you're really interesting about the role, interested about the role, and it shows that you have envisioned yourself in the role in the future because you're getting curious about the nitty-gritty things maybe. Now, there are some things here that you shouldn't do. I would encourage you not to do the whole, when will I find out? What's the timeline for the role? Did I do a good job? Don't ask any of those questions, please. Please, 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 please don't do that, okay? Because they're not really thoughtful questions. They don't show any level of critical thinking. They don't show any level of insight really into the role. It's very you-focused. You want to ask them a question that really shows your curiosity about the role. So some people, I mean, there's lots of things you could ask, but some people will say things like, okay, um, I'm really obviously interested in this role. I'd love to learn more about what it looks like day to day. What does the support look like from the local education team day to day? And they will give you an answer and that's great. And if you have more questions from that, keep asking. Another question you can ask is, you know, tell me a little bit more about the culture of the wards. I'm really passionate about working in a place that has, you know, got a really well-oiled culture and just let them tell you a bit more. The other question that you can ask them is, why do you like working here? Why do you work for Better Health Hospital? What is it about this place that you think is awesome? Other things you could ask, depending on your role, like if you're moving up the chain, do you know, what do the next 60 days, 90 days look like in this role? What is the biggest challenge in this clinical area for new staff? What are some of the challenges that the team are facing collectively that I would be contributing to? There's so many things you can ask them. It's just really about getting curious about what you want to ask the panel and what you think will help them make the decision about you as an individual. Now, in terms of interview technique and question types, we will go over that in another episode because that probably lends itself to a full episode, which I will pull together for you because that's where most people, again, trip up. Today, we're focusing more on the process of the interview itself. So, To recap, up until this point, we have done our pre-interview prep. We have compiled our notes, which I'll go through in the next episode. We have 
prepared and we look pretty and we have got our mindset in check because we know that all of those things running through our mind are just thoughts. They're just thoughts. We have a choice over whether or not we want to believe them. Yeah. So as we do our thought downloads and we find the facts, we realize that we have everything that we need to be able to achieve this goal of doing this interview and doing it well. We don't collect evidence from our past. We sit here in the present and we're super excited about the opportunity. Nervous, but excited. Yeah, because nerves are good. As we go to the interview, we either get our questions before or we don't. If we do, we use that 10 minutes strategically and we refer to our notes. As we come into the interview, we let them know about our notes and we work through introducing ourselves to the panel and letting them know if we need to about the elephant in the room, which is, surprise, I'm crapping myself. (laughs) Don't say that. From there, the panel have their notes with their ideal buzzwords, their ideal answers, and they'll pass it around the room. And your job is to think about some of those ideal answers, and we would have them on our notes so that we can get some extra brownie points as we move through. We use our delay tactics, the four delay tactics that we have to delay and buy time. Remember, you are in control and the panel want you to be there. They want you to be the next superstar of their ward. If you don't get that vibe from them, continue the interview. You probably don't want to work there. Yeah, you can make an informed choice. And that's totally fine. It's a great learning opportunity. As you move through, we get a safety net at the end. They ask us, would you like to go back over anything? And you say, hell yes. (laughs) Let me go back over all of the things because I want to make sure that I leave this room confident that I did everything that I could possibly do to secure this role. We do not leave the room until we feel like that. Finally, we've got a beautiful question for them that really gets them thinking and questions that make the panel feel something are the best questions. And that's why I love this question. What do you love? Ask the panel, what do you love about working for Better Health Hospital? I always use Better Health. I don't know where that is. But um, what do you love about Better Health Hospital? Tell me a bit more about the culture here and why you love it. Because that, if they truly love working there, you will get an amazing response and it will make you feel warm. It will make them feel warm and you will feel confident about making the decision to work there. If they struggle to answer that question, red flag. Yeah. So we've asked them a question and now we get to the point where we leave the room and this is where we leave with confidence, right? We leave, we thank them, we thank them for the time. We no longer shake hands because hashtag COVID, but we thank them for the time and we walk out there with our head held bloody high so that we can reflect positively on that, right? So I would get you to do a debrief with yourself. But just notice, again, at this point, you could do a thought download. You could write everything down, what's going through your mind. Oh, stuff that up. I did this, I did that. And then look at it. Is it factual? Did you actually stuff it up? No, you bloody didn't. (laughs) You did a great job. You were under pressure. You were being interviewed by three people. You were anxious. You did all your prep. You were so prepared for this, more prepared than you've ever been in your life. So there's only one thing that you need to be in that moment, which is super bloody proud, okay? Because guess what? You could ruminate on tripping up, maybe not being so articulate. Like when I record these podcasts, sometimes I trip up. Previously, I would stress about it. Now I'm just like, well, whatever, it's fine. (laughs) I'm, I'm a human, right? You're a human. We're not perfect and they're not looking for perfection. It's not achievable. Okay, high performers, you cannot be perfect. I know it's hard, (laughs) but it's not possible. 
So in that moment, the only thing you can be is proud. Do your thought downloads. Take yourself away and do something nice. Go and have a coffee. And if you notice those negative thoughts like, oh, you stuffed that up. Remember, you have a choice. Do you believe that or not? Is it factual? Yeah. Be super proud of yourself. Now, the next step, which most people don't do, is you're going to send them a beautiful little email. Why? Because they have spent potentially the whole day interviewing. They might have spent two hours. They might have spent eight hours. And boy, I can tell you, eight hours of interviews, especially when most people, I would say 90% of people don't actually prepare, is bloody painful, right? And uh, it really wears you down throughout the day because you're listening and you're really paying attention to what people are saying because you're looking for the next superstar, right? You're looking for the next best person to come and join your team. So why send an email? At the end of the interview, picture this. Liam's been interviewing all day. I've had five coffees (laughs) because it's been a hell of a long day. And I'm traipsing back to the ward and I'm late going home, of course. But there's a pile of work to be done and somebody's had a fall and so on and so forth. You get my gist. And I get back to my desk and I've got 200 emails. But in comes an email from you saying, subject line, thank you so much for your time and the interview today, or something along those lines. It's a really lovely touch for you to think about sending an email, you know, within the six hours after your interview. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be six hours. You can send it straight away. You can send an hour later. You can send it eight hours later, whatever. But just send an email to the recruiter employer within the first 24 hours, let's say, after the interview. Because what it's going to do is it's going to put you back to the forefront of the mind and it's going to make them feel something. It's going to make them feel like, oh, that's lovely. Oh, do you know, Jessica really took the time to send an email and be grateful. She sounds like an awesome potential employee. It's a beautiful little strategy. It takes you two minutes. It is a lovely gesture and it might be the thing that helps you land the role. It might just add a little cherry on the top. Technically, they can't bring that into the process, right? They can't say, oh, well, because he sent an email, he's going to get the job. They can't do that. What they can do is they can go, oh, well, that was nice. That was really lovely. Like if he does that, if Jessica does that for me, what would Jessica do for my patients and for the families that come into the wards? So it's really lovely. Now, super simple. Keep it straight to the point. Dear name, I hope this email finds you well. Thank you so much for taking the time to interview me today. It was so lovely to meet the team, to share my skills and knowledge and experience with you all. I look forward to hearing back from you regarding the interview outcome. Many thanks, Liam. Super simple, but it will pack a punch, a positive punch for sure. And I can tell you that no one does it. So you will stand out from the crowds or all the people that are listening to this will stand out from the crowd. And that's great. Okay, that's what we want. We want the best candidates coming through. Now, we have gone through the process in this podcast episode. Thank you so much for sticking with me. I hope that clarifies some of the key things that you need to be thinking about as you work through your interview preparation. Now, there is so much more for us to cover with this, and I will have future episodes that will cover this, specifically around question types, question themes, and how to tackle the questions and collating your notes, yeah? So I will do that for you and get that out to you very shortly. In the meantime, use what we've gone over today to prepare for your next interview. 
one thing that I want to just add is that if you are interviewing for a role internally and with a manager or a peer or an educator that you know, please, please, please do not assume that they're going to bring their knowledge of you as a clinician into that interview. And here's why. Because they can't. They are not allowed to. Okay? I have seen so many people, I've seen clinicians with 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years experience, have finally pluck up the courage to apply for their dream role, for that promotion, for that educator, nurse manager, cosmetic, whatever position, And because they know the manager that's interviewing them or a panel member, they hold back during interview and they assume that that person knows them. So therefore, they don't need to give them all the nitty gritty details. Huge, huge mistake. Do not do this. If you catch yourself doing this in the interview, if you catch yourself assuming, you're most likely not going to get the role, okay? Because they need to hear it from you. There will be somebody on that panel that is an impartial, that does not know you. And if you treat them like you know them and they know you, then they're going to get nothing from you, right? So biggest top tip for those internally interviewing for roles is to make sure that you just pretend you've never met the panel ever. You can obviously be nice, but you've never met them and they are new people, and you are there to sell your skill set, okay? And here's the thing. Here's another one final thing. Selling yourself feels super uncomfortable, right? It feels really, really uncomfortable, but I challenge you just to lean into it. For one hour of your life, when you interview, you can get uncomfortable selling yourself. So many people say to me, I can't sell myself. That's just a thought. Okay, it's not factual because like if you've ever had a job in the past, you've sold yourself, right? So don't let yourself believe all of those thoughts. I can't sell myself. If you believe that, then you'll go into the interview and you will actually enact that and you will create that result and you'll come out and you go, I didn't sell myself, yeah? You need to get comfortable talking about you and what you offer these people because that's what you're there to do. They're not there to just hear about your life story, you need to frame it in a way that sells your skill set. And that's what we'll go through in the next podcast episodes that are coming up in the next few weeks. So lots of content. It's a big part of the process. It's a very exciting part of the process. I know that you can do this. If you are going for an interview right now, I know you can do this. I don't even know you, but I know you can, okay? Because it's a process. It's a strategy. And then you just add on top of that, the cherry on the top is your amazing skill set and knowledge and experience. There is no place in this process for negative, self-limiting beliefs and thoughts that come up that stop you from achieving your career goals, yeah? Because you work too hard to get to this point. We don't need that stuff. It's always going to be there, but we can manage it, yeah? And we do that mostly through coaching. So, I could talk forever. I will love you and leave you right here. I hope that has been beneficial. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you share a screenshot of you listening to it. I'm in tag at High Performance Nursing on Instagram or on Facebook. I would love to know what your key take-homes were from this. And until next time, good luck prepping for your interview. I'll chat to you soon. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, 
please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.